Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you. Yes, you right there listening to the show right now. Like maybe your name is Norm Fazekas or Chris Allen or Chris Smith. Coming up on DTNS, Microsoft is making Call of Duty deals with pretty much everybody except Sony. Plus, what the Supreme Court justices said about Section 230 will surprise you, I swear. And Spotify and YouTube Music have new ways to make a personalized radio station for you. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. In 4.2 inches of snow, or feet of snow, I'm Scott Johnson. And uh, Snowless, I'm the show's producer, Roger (laughs) Chang. There's a difference between 4.2 inches and and feet. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. One's a lot easier to shovel. You can just kind of push it out of the way. Uh, Well, folks, uh, we have got so much for you today that we need to get right into the quick hits. Several users on Twitter shared screenshots claiming that OpenAI began offering early access to a new developer platform called Foundry. This will provide customers with a dedicated compute capacity to run OpenAI's model, including GPT-3.5, with the same tools and dashboards used by OpenAI itself. Pricing for the lightweight version of GPT-3.5 starts at $78,000 for three months. So this is for corporations. <laughs> this is not for personal use. Uh, Amazon completed its acquisition of something that is for personal use. One Medical, which operates 200 medical offices across 26 markets in the United States. Uh, One Medical offers membership for $199 a year on top of insurance coverage. Uh, so your insurance covers part of it. You pay $199 whether insurance covers it or not. But that gives you some all-in-one care that One Medical says is easier to navigate. Lab tests can all happen at the same place. It's kind of like Kaiser, to be honest. Amazon announced the acquisition in July last year and shuttered its Amazon Care telehealth service this past August in anticipation of this. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission said Tuesday it would not object to this acquisition, but is still investigating the deal for any anti-competitive effects or privacy implications. Amazon also partnered with Cochlear to launch a new app letting Fire TV devices stream over Bluetooth to Cochlear implants, including any apps supported by the platform. Amazon says this will provide a dramatically cleaner and clearer signal than audio that comes from speakers. 
little bit more healthcare news. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman sources say that Apple has hit major milestones in developing a glucose monitor for the Apple Watch. The tech has been in development at Apple reportedly for 12 years and will use light-based measurement instead of blood samples, probably a plus for Apple Watch customers. An algorithm measures the reflection of light from lasers to estimate glucose concentration. Now, it's still years away from ending up in a watch as the next step. It's apparently to make an iPhone-sized version to strap to your bicep to use in conjunction with the watch. Yeah. How much glucose is in there? Uh, Nikkei Asia sources say Chinese regulators informed several domestic tech giants, including Tencent and Ant Group, to not offer public access to chat GPT services. No foundry $78,000 subscription for you. Uh, they are not allowed to do that either on their own platforms or those from third parties, at least according to these sources. Launching any chat GPT-like service, which a lot of these Chinese companies have said they are going to do, would also require approval from regulators. Microsoft released a preview of mobile apps for Bing and Edge on Android and iOS, both featuring its new Bing chat experience. A Bing icon at the bottom of the apps can be used to begin the chats, with users able to get responses as bullet points or text, or even as a voice response. The apps use the same waitlist that Microsoft set up for desktop access to the new Bing chat, and the company also added a preview of the new Bing chat to Skype. All right, and that is a look at the quick hits, but not... The end of the Microsoft news. Microsoft had a busy week, and it's only Wednesday. On Tuesday, we told you the company announced a 10-year deal to provide games specifically Call of Duty to Nintendo. Same day they launched on Xbox. Well, a little bit later, Microsoft announced another deal, this one also 10 years, to bring Call of Duty and other Activision games to NVIDIA's GeForce Now cloud gaming platform. Now, Microsoft can't share call of duty with nvidia until it actually successfully acquires activision blizzard but in this case we do know that this deal will immediately bring some microsoft owned titles like minecraft to geforce now as well yeah vice president and general manager of nvidia's geforce now phil eisler said he was initially concerned about the acquisition but that microsoft was quote very open about wanting to enable cloud gaming and work with us on a 10-year license agreement. So over time, they made us more and more comfortable with it. End quote. Eisler also said that Microsoft isn't paying for access to the titles. Now, my, Microsoft's xCloud service is in direct competition with GeForce Now, obviously. Call of Duty will be available on Nintendo. Microsoft still says it'd like to sign a deal with Sony if Sony wanted to play ball, which it has not yet. So, Scott, at this point, is there anything else that Microsoft can do? Anything else they can share with their partners to I'm, make I'm nice, to make sure? Call of Duty for 10 years on my own body by Microsoft yeah. at this point. You're going to yeah, wear it all, like, the, all time. They want the acquisition to go through. So, you know, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, I think that this is uh, in there. This is Microsoft lately. They want people to play their games and games in general with their services wherever people want them to play. It's no longer our platform. It's we don't care what platform you're playing on. We just want you to play our games and we want you to pay us money for subscriptions. And they're making ground doing that. The interesting thing about the two Phil's coming together, Phil Spencer and Phil Eisler, uh, is that this seemed like an impossibility a little while ago. In fact, when uh, GeForce Now first launched, you could play certain Activision and certainly Blizzard titles via the service. You have to own them uh, via their normal ways of owning them. But you could open them and run them basically as a virtual machine via GeForce Now. And so for a while there, people were playing World of Warcraft that way, Overwatch, some other popular titles. 
and that got yanked. They had takedowns for that. So they did. They complied and took it down. This is Microsoft basically saying, hey, we'd like to come back and 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 if we end up ac- acquiring these titles uh, along with our own stuff, we'd really love to bring these back to the service. And it's really no sweat to GeForce Now because GeForce Now doesn't sell you the games anyway. Right. They just provide a gateway service for you to play the games you already paid for, usually through Steam or other services. But some of this stuff has been gated off for a while, and now there's a chance it'll all come back. So I think it's actually a really positive move. And it's really, honestly, it's no skin off of uh, GeForce or uh, NVIDIA's nose. They, they lose nothing by this and they gain subscribers by this. So they lose nothing in this process. And, and Microsoft doesn't really lose anything either because you have to buy Call of Duty in the future mm-hmm. or even, uh, I mean, you don't really buy Minecraft, but yet, you know, they're going to make their money off Minecraft if people are playing Minecraft. So the more places they could play Minecraft, including GeForce Now, the better. Uh, obviously, Microsoft was motivated to, to make this deal because they want to look good for these, these regulators, but, but there's no reason they shouldn't have made this deal already, to, to be honest. Uh, it, it's not, I, th- I think people misunderstand that GeForce Now, is is not making money off of selling you the games. It's making money off of selling you access to the machine upon which you play your own games that you already bought, like Scott was saying. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's that therein lies the key. Now the one thing I could see people raising their eyebrows at is they have a competing access your games via the cloud service called XCloud, like Sarah described. And XCloud, while still in beta, is a very solid piece of work and people like it. And it seems like that competes directly with something like GeForce Now. But it really doesn't any more than them selling uh, Halo Infinite on their store, the Xbox store, or you playing it by Game Pass or buying it on Steam or buying it on Get Epic Store. You get my my drift here or, or they're or, letting or, it or selling a Surface laptop and letting HP use Windows. Exactly. They're doing that same thing kind of across the board. So the 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 plan with games as going forward fits really nicely into a concept like this. And they're basically just saying, look, if you have Game Pass, we do have xCloud. But if you re- if you really like what GeForce is doing, and we kind of do too, actually, I really do as well, hey, you can play them there too. And I think this just is consistent with their current mode uh, and puts a little bit more pressure on Sony, who seems to be the only one with their arms folded in the corner refusing to do what anybody wants them to do. It's a kind of a bad look for them. I still I, I appreciate their position, especially as a, as a market leader in, in consoles, and they don't like this kind of pressure. But I think I think the writing's on the wall. Ultimately, yeah. I know this isn't our uh, prediction show that we do annually at the end of the year, but I feel like within a week, maybe I'm wrong. Sony might change their tune. Oh, I think follow up next week. If regulators allow this, Sony changes their tune. I don't think Sony changes their tune unless this uh, this acquisition goes through. Um, Although, right? Because then you're just left out. yeah. Yeah. Uh, although maybe, maybe they will, but they'll want to get something else, uh, in, in re- Microsoft will want to get something else in return for it. Do, real quickly though, do we think this is going to go through? Do we think this is going to make a difference? Cause uh, right I keep, now I, I don't, waffle back and forth. No. I, keep, I keep having these back and forths on it. Um, part of me is like, it depends on how frustrated or tired of dealing with it. Microsoft is. And then stuff like this happens. I go, Oh no, they're actively out there, like building partnerships and friendships with companies that previous to now were kind of at odds in a lot of ways. And now this is then coming together in this very specific way. 
So they clearly have the. But do the, the regulators one. care, or are they going to be I, like, mm, "You're still too know. big if you get it." Sorry. Yeah, because yeah, I think I mean, Microsoft uh, has enough lawyers; <laughs> they'll do this all day. Yeah, uh, that's that's what they are hired to do. Um, and you know, Microsoft has been in long drug out acquisition uh, talks uh, in the past in other capacities. I don't know. I feel like Microsoft is throwing everybody as many bones as possible, saying, "What about they, this?" Yeah, they're doing everything they can. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't know if it's enough. I don't know if the regulars are like, yeah, you can dance all night. We, we, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, speaking of dancing, uh, you're going to need some music if you want to dance. Google <laughs> began rolling out a new radio feature on YouTube Music that gives you more control than the usual automatically generated playlist. Uh, for example, you can select up to 30 artists rather than just one to start your station. And you control how often those artists repeat. You can put some artists in heavy rotation, some in smaller rotation. You can set filters to change the mood of the station. Maybe you want to have more chill stuff or downbeat or pump up. Uh, as you listen into the station, you can also adjust those settings in the tune option, which will appear at the bottom of the interface. As somebody who has created her own playlists uh, named Angry Drake versus Chill Drake, I respect this. And this is actually something that I would use. Listen, sometimes you have to get granular with yeah, stuff that you like. Especially with Drake. Yeah. Similarly, sort of, Spotify launched a DJ feature. It's in beta and provides curated music with automatically generated spoken commentary about the tracks and the artists selected. The feature is powered by guess who? OpenAI. Spotify saying it provided its music editors and experts and scriptwriters and data curators because Spotify has all of those things, apparently, with access to the tool in order to create culturally relevant, accurate pieces of commentary at scale. So humans definitely still in the loop here. And you can tap the DJ button to shift to a different artist, say, or maybe a different genre or mood. Help uh, improve the DJ as much as you can. Spotify's DJ is available in English only for now to premium subscribers in the U.S. and Canada to start with. So let's all talk about what we prefer here. Do you want to be in charge of your own radio station? Have all the controls at your fingertips? Or do you kind of like the AI that knows you being in charge and is just kind of helping you out? Or you just want playlists the way that you've had them in the past? I'm the little kid in the GIF who shrugs her shoulders and says, why not both? Because that's what I want. I want both (laughs) the ability to still be very granular and manual with the way I choose music and how I make my quote-unquote mixtapes, showing my age here. Um, but I also love the idea. Some of the, some of the application of AI lately in this field is very interesting to me. And I think it can get very good at knowing what you want, how you want it and when you want it. But I don't want that to be the full time thing. I, I need to have tools and they're not saying they're replacing people here or they're replacing my ability to do that. But that would be a hang up for me if all they offered was this AI DJ business. I when they say they're going to make me a radio station as someone who used to program a radio station uh I want that I want the ability to have a a rotation list 10 songs in heavy rotation 10 songs in medium rotation some recurrence uh, a library of 500 oldies that that gets circled through more sl- slowly I want to be able to set a clock uh that plays like heavy rotation at the top of the hour bottom of the hour and 10 to the hour like I I, mean- re- I really want that kind of control if I'm going to a radio station and if i don't have that kind of control then i kind of want the opposite which is just an ai that asks me some questions every once in a while <laughs> do you like this what kind of stuff do you like i notice you've been playing more of this and then creates the perfect station for me it yeah. feels like youtube music is going in the direction that you want tom it's yeah, just that 
just not, not everybody is like, well, I used to be a radio DJ, so here's what I know I'm, uh, you know, I'm capable of oh, doing. Oh, no, I know. I'm if only, only you gave me that. the controls. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it but it's definitely giving you a sort of a, yeah like let's say you pick your thirty artists well you know maybe ten of those artists you are actually your favorites and others you'd like peppered in a little bit more so you know there is a there's a bit of a sl- sliding scale going on here um, I also don't have an issue with what Spotify is doing um, I say uh, you know I mean anything that helps me discover artists because honestly unless I if you give me too much control I'll, I listen to the same stuff over and over. Um, or I just go to the radio and then I just suffer through songs that I like less than other songs. And I think, ah, if only I could heart it like I do on Apple Music. As an Apple Music person, neither of these services are directly affecting me. But, uh, but yeah, I think the, you know, the more control we have over the music that we'd like to listen to for the next hour or however long our next road trip is, it's cool. I don't think either feels, of these are wrong at all. No, neither neither approaches are, and I mean, you know, you'll have you'll still have kind of the base control you have now, but it does make me wonder mainly because you mentioned it, but it also I am also an Apple Music user. Um, this feels like something Apple can't take their time with and be like the perfection version of a thing that takes three years longer than everybody else. I think they have to get on it. So I don't know how soon we'll start seeing this sort yeah. of thing because honestly, Spotify is just straight up in the opinions of a lot of people, straight up better at curation. Mm-hmm. than apple music apple music has more total songs and albums but if you can't get what you want or get enough recommended to you spotify is probably the place you're going to go so i don't think they can sit back and go well we're going to have a huge team of researchers figure this out for the next seven years and then we'll have the ultimate ai recommended dj i i don't think they can afford it also yeah. side note here i love that spotify is using open AI technology not to replace anyone but to make their job easier to make their job more effective to make their job happen at scale uh for example spotify's head of cultural partnerships xavier jernigan who also hosts their the get up podcast is the model for the ai voice that reads you things in the spotify version of this uh you wow. get his voice as a as an artificial dj he's not going anywhere but they're, they're, they're using that. This is a great example of AI being used as a tool rather than replacing someone. I think that that might be significant down the road. I think yes. uh, one last thought. Think? I, I think, I think there are uh, not everybody, some, some, some folks uh, like streaming services enough to have several um, and like to compare. Most people don't, right? You're a Spotify user, you use Apple Music. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you stick with, you know, Google's YouTube music, um, or some version that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, so for me, I'm sort of like, eh, Apple Music's great. You know, $9.99 per month. My Verizon, uh, subscription pays for it anyway. We're good, but I don't really know what I'm missing. So if you kind of, if you feel like you've been comparing, um, multiple streaming services, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Email us. Deezer users, email us. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right. So the U.S. Supreme Court is considering interpretations of the law that we affectionately on the show called Section 230, which protects Internet platforms from being liable for what their users post on those platforms. Why should you care? Well, depending on how the court rules, it could change the kind of things that platforms allow you to post or not post. It could also make it more expensive for new platforms to enter the market and then challenge the existing big ones. And if that happens in the U.S., it's going to have repercussions around the world. Yeah, we have an episode of Know a Little More about how Section 230 works specifically in relation to these cases. Uh, the short version, though, is before Section 230, Internet platforms either had to choose not to moderate at all or become responsible for everything on their platform. And the U.S. Supreme Court is considering two cases challenging a part of those safe harbor protections. Tuesday, the court heard arguments in Gonzalez versus Google that rests on whether algorithmic recommendations, the YouTube algorithm that suggests another video to you, is protected as moderation or not. The other, Tomna versus Twitter, rests on whether failure to remove terrorist content fast enough constitutes liability because of the anti-terrorism laws in the United States. Now, we're not going to get Supreme Court decisions on these till late June. All we got was the oral arguments this week. But here's what we can glean from what they said, starting with Gonzalez. All right. Several of the justices pointed out that algorithms weren't nearly as sophisticated when Section 230 was written as they are now. That seems kind of obvious. And that maybe Congress should deal with this, not the courts. Uh, you can check out Neil Gorsuch's, I can't say Gorsuch. his name right, Gorsuch's uh, feelings when he said, quote, I mean, artificial intelligence, intelligence generates poetry. It generates polemics today. That would be content and goes beyond picking, choosing, analyzing or digesting content. And that is not protected, unquote. 
Very interesting. Chief, Chief Justin John Roberts and Justice Clarence Thomas also asked questions concerning uh, with the, what the wider effects of the case would be. Justice Thomas specifically said that it's the same algorithm that re- recommends cooking and racing videos. Then the plaintiff needs to explain how it differs in this case. Uh, but the clincher came from Justice Amy Conan Barrett, who said the following. If you lose tomorrow, do we even have to reach the Section 230 question here? Hmm. Tom, what do you think she means by that? Yeah. So Wednesday's case, Tomna versus Twitter, <clears throat> asks whether Twitter and other companies bear responsibility for a shooting in Istanbul in 2017 because they hosted and monetized videos that radicalized the shooters. The case is not about recommendations. Most experts think, however, that if the court finds that Section 230 protects Twitter in the Tomna case, that that would make the question of algorithms in the Gonzalez versus Google case irrelevant. Because it basically, if hosting the videos in the first place is protected, then it doesn't matter if you recommended them or not. Google could then file a motion to dismiss its case, or it could be remanded by the Supreme Court for further proceedings in the light of their Tomna decision. This would be a way for the court to avoid deciding the boundaries of Section 230. But that's only if they ruled in favor of Twitter. Sarah, how did the justices (laughs) sound in their hearings on Tamna? Well, they focus quite a bit on the part of the Anti-Terrorism Act, saying liability may be asserted as to any person who aids and abets by knowingly providing substantial assistance. They grilled both sides about where the line is between unknowingly assisting somebody who goes on to commit a crime and providing that assistance when you did not, you did know, or maybe should have known. So, you know, more of that gray area. Justin's Clarence Thomas asked the, uh, how the law would treat him if he provided a gun to a friend who then went on to commit a crime. Justice Katani uh, Brown Jackson pointed out that willful blindness is something that we have said can constitute knowledge. So now what do we make of this? Yeah, so this second one is more typical for the court which is they ask a lot of hard questions of both sides and you get an idea of how they're thinking about the case, but not necessarily how they will rule. So so what I took from, from the Tomna questioning was that they're taking this one very seriously and they're trying to figure out where is the line of aiding and abetting. They're looking yeah. very closely at that part of the law. Did Twitter aid and abet when it provided money to these folks who ended up uh, going on to do the shooting uh, or, or provided money to people making videos that were seen by the people who were then inspired to do the shooting. Is that aiding and abetting? So that's why you get Justice Thomas's question like, well, hey, if I loan my friend a gun, but I don't know what he's going to do with it, and then he commits a crime. Am I liable for that? That's why you get Katanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson saying, uh, hey, willful blindness if you're if you know you should look but you turn away anyway uh Mm -hmm. you can still be found responsible so they're not telling us how they're going to rule but they're telling us that's what they're looking at their ruling is going to rest on did twitter can you decide that twitter aided and abetted if you decide they did then tomna wins and twitter is found liable and gonzalez versus google is still in play if they decide this doesn't constitute aiding and abetting therefore it's not a violation of the law therefore twitter wins then they can, and they indicated very clearly in the oral arguments with Gonzalez versus Google that they wanted to kick that one down the road. So if I had to guess, not based on what their questions were, but based on what they said in Gonzalez versus Google, it sounds like they want to rule in favor of Twitter and then kick Gonzalez versus Google down the road because they don't want to alter how Section 230 is interpreted. 
Yeah, I uh, spent a lot of this morning trying to come up with, okay, what's my best guess for how this how this shakes out? Um, and I don't know, because, you know, it still goes back to that that question of, if you knew somebody was going to do something wrong and you did nothing, that is one thing. But that's not what we're arguing about. We're arguing about whether or not you should have known. Right. And, you know, and that is, I mean... If we're talking about, you know, if Tom should have known that I was going to do something terrible with a gun when he handed it to me yesterday, well, that's different than, you know, a person who uses a platform, you know, which is made up of many employees who, you know, have differing opinions about all sorts of things. It is, it is, it's a fascinating um, and certainly not a rosy situation that we're going through. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. would, I would say the only thing I would add here is uh, Gorsuch brought it up in his opinion or in his in his comments. Uh, AI is about to make their 230 docket really busy. So maybe clear all this stuff out. Get it figured out. Do what oh, you got to do. Throw it back to Congress, <laughs> yes. whatever you got to do. But things are going to get weird. Yeah, I, I was heartened by what uh, Justice Kagan and Gorsuch uh, and others uh, said in the Gonzalez versus Google, where they're like, we Congress needs to figure this out because algorithms aren't now what they were when Section 230 was put in place. You need new language. And they kind of repeated that over and over that that Section 230 really isn't equipped to deal with the modern uh, algorithm and AI, which is why you saw Justice Gorsuch, you know, point out like, hey, this thing's doing poetry. Congress needs to do something about that. <laughs> well, let's turn um, turn our uh, attention to the heavens, shall we? Oh, uh, particularly space. TechCrunch reported on Tuesday that a company called Vast Space that aims to build artificial gravity space stations in low Earth orbit acquired the space tug startup Launcher. This would give Vast Space access to Launcher's orbiter space tug, also their employees, and payload platform and its liquid rocket engine known as E2. Vast would use the orbiter tug to test space station subsystems and components in orbit as early as June with another test set for this coming October with both carrying customer payloads. Also, Vast says its first space station will be zero G. Now, they haven't quite cracked the artificial gravity thing just yet. Uh, <laughs> if you know more about it, let us know because Vast's commercial product will continue the com- uh, company adds that launchers space tugs abilities uh, and its flight software, avionics and guidance, navigation, control systems, technology will complement development of the space station, which is why the acquisition happened. And launchers first orbiter mission in January failed after the spacecraft's power systems malfunctioned. So launcher doesn't necessarily have a great track record, but vast space thinks they can do something with it. Vast CEO Judd McCaleb uh, co-created Mount Gox, <laughs> the crypto exchange that went mount down. Yeah, uh, uh, he's he's a founder of the protocol Ripple. He's a crypto guy. He has a lot of money. Uh, he has a lot of really smart people working on this, though. So it, it to me, it's it's less about McCaleb. He he's the front man. He's the hype mm-hmm. man for this. But they're doing some really interesting things. And in fact, even though uh, Launcher's first orbiter failed, it failed in a way that they learned something from. They were they were very positive about yeah. It, it while the batteries were working, everything worked the way we wanted to, and we know exactly why the batteries failed. And this yeah. is a great test to let us learn from that. So I feel like even though Jed McCaleb is CEO, which is going to make a lot of people go dismiss this. Uh, there might be something to this. I'm not sure about the anti-gravity part of that. That seems a little bit, you know, 
ahead ahead of uh, ahead of things, you know, getting ahead of themselves. But I think we are at the point where we've got private companies doing regular launches, about to take people to the moon in a couple of years. Uh, it's it's about the time in the schedule where you'd see private companies making their own versions of the International Space Station. I think that's going to get more common, whether it's Vast and Launcher or somebody else. I wish they'd hurry up so you could do CES from the moon, Tom. That's what I want. That's expensive, though, man. I know. You think, that, you think it's expensive to stay in the Renaissance Las Vegas? Wait till they have CES on the moon. <laughs> Brand new uh, patron think level. Think of the satellite internet costs. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, you're closer to the satellites, though. So. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, true. but the Ethernet cable, you know, it's yeah, flying it's all really over the place. Long. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Uh, well, uh, let's thank Scott Johnson for his being here. Scott oh. Johnson, we just want to thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, that's so nice of you to say. I really want to thank you for having me here. How about that? I also want to tell people uh, that I'm getting really close. Like, this isn't a great representation, about a centimeter on my fingers here, and you can't see it if you're listening, but uh, that close to finishing my brand new card game called Dungeon Murder, which you can find details at dungeonmurder.com. Uh, some new video going up there this week, so watch for that. But anyway, uh, I am playing the final beta deck. I have play tested it to death. I think we're there. So keep your eye on that site. Uh, Kickstarter coming soon. I'm very excited about it. Can't wait to get it in people's hands. And if you want to know more, once again, that is over at DungeonMurder.com. Scott, I know you've answered this question before, but how long have you had that URL, Dungeon Murder? I have had Dungeon Murder since 2008 Mm. because I had this idea. It was based on a comic I drew that year. And I had this idea that, hey, I may want to use that for something. And then I just let it sit. It's just so good. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad, right? It's okay. No, it's uh, good. There aren't a lot of good URLs left anymore. So I would I'll have guessed even get. longer, to be honest. It's too good. Yeah. 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 I was surprised I got it, to be honest, but it's, well, it's all good you know, now. Scott, you're never uh, short of surprises. Uh, and we thank you for being with us today. We also have a boss to thank. And you know who that boss is today? It's Brandon. Brandon's backing us on Patreon. And we want to shout you out, Brandon. Thank you. Brandon, we see you. You're the best. And because Brandon is a patron, Brandon and all the other patrons are going to hear us talk about something else on the extended show, Good Day Internet. Samsung has a feature that will synthesize your voice on its phone so you don't have to pick up the phone. You can just type your responses in text and then your voice will read them during the phone call. Uh, we're going to gauge how horrified that makes Scott Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just a reminder, we do DTNS live. And you can catch the show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 2100 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young joining us. Talk to you soon. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.